0: Welcome back to Sweat and Bullets, a fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, DFB Encounter. With me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson at Jacob Sanderson on Twitter. We're in, we've just finished week three. We're preparing for week four. Week four is when things kind of like solidify a little bit, in my opinion. Like, yeah. we need that four week sample to, uh, to evaluate the start of the season. How are you feeling with the first three weeks, though? Have you uh, have you jumped off the bridge regarding any player takes? Are you, you know, floating on
1: clouds? Where, where are you at? Um, I'm changing my mind on a few guys, for sure, but probably not a ton. I think a lot of it's just blending in, right? And I think it's kind of this natural aspect where – I don't think that the first three weeks people always say, you know, you're going to get people in your mention. you have to admit this, right? You have to take this L. Are you ready to take this L? Like, are we declaring victory on this? And I, you know I don't know that three was? weeks. Yeah, is, 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 is,
0: you are just, you're, you're, you're bringing up some very painful memories for me last year, week one, first touchdown of the year. My mentions exploded Dave Davis exploded. And uh and I was told to eat many L's. I took all the L's. I was full, and then it worked out worked out okay in the end. Uh, I'm of course referring to Gabriel Davis. The year prior, I also got a heaping helping of L's regarding Brian Edwards final two-minute heroics in overtime. And uh, that one worked out okay for me as well. So
1: the, the it's early... Been pretty, it's been a pretty, like, serene season with Gabe where, like, he's basically just had the Gabe Davis season so far, which is he had, like, one really bad game. He had one would have been a bad game, but he caught a touchdown, and then he had one really good game. And it's like, that's, that's like, well, we're fine, but nobody's talked about him, like, really, in any respect. Nobody's been, like... Gabe Davis sucks. Gabe Davis is great. He's just been Gabe Davis. He's like ran all the routes. Sometimes he gets more targets. Sometimes he doesn't. Finds the end zone a lot. <laughs> Runs deep routes. So as he gets on a big deep route, it's been nice. I I, I like bought a lot of Gabe um, this summer just because like he was like really cheap. People were like, yeah, we are have Gabe Davis for like a third and Alec Pierce or whatever. Um, and it was like, yeah, sure. You stick him in your lineup and see what happens. You just roll the dice, you know? Sometimes you get 25 Sometimes you get five.
0: Just imagine, imagine going out into the into the fantasy football world and offering up trades for Gabriel Davis when you could have just been picking up Josh Palmer
1: on waivers this whole time. Yeah. Um. So, Josh Palmer, we're gonna lead our show with this. Um. Like <laughs> a, a lot of times, a lot of times on this show, we don't agree. I, I would say that we. I even try to go out of my way to highlight instances where we don't agree on this show. And sometimes, even if we do agree, I, like, intentionally play devil's advocate. But this is one where we are in lockdown. Um, (laughs) I'm going to write about this, um, I guess, after anybody ever does waiver claims, but just because I think it's kind of, like, an interesting commentary on where the fantasy community is at right now in my Friday column. But we saw so many people, like, honestly, to the extent that I, I would say personally, at least what I experienced, that it's the majority of people. Not the majority of people that I listen to or who I think are intelligent about fantasy football, but definitely the majority of people that comment on fantasy football, at least from my perspective, were insisting that Josh Palmer is the preferred waiver ad over Quinton Johnston. And... This is in redraft leagues, of course. In redraft leagues, in redraft leagues, yes. I don't think anyone's thinking it's a dynasty. But to me, this is like a really bizarre take, and you know, I was going to write something about it, but you got there first. And so I won't even say what I was going to say. I'll just highlight one of the lines from your thread today, which is that people, I think are sometimes crafting advice in order to be right, rather than to win. Right? Like we kind of are in this weird social capital economy as fantasy analysts, where you want to be able to get something right. so You can run on Twitter and be like, I was right. And, like, you don't want to have really embarrassing wrong takes because, like, people are going to, quote, tweet you and be like, look at this idiot. And you want to have, you know, you want to be right more often than you're wrong. It's natural. I've certainly, like, experienced that. I absolutely will root harder for the players that I've, like, made a bunch of takes about because it's kind of embarrassing when you're wrong. It makes it hard. Honestly, I think one of the things the fans community makes it kind of hard to do a switch up because you find yourself, like, DeAndre switch is a great example of this where, like, if people like the people that actually follow my writing, like they understand kind of like where I was coming from throughout the process, like some of the divisions I I thought Swift, when his price dropped, when the information we got changed, when I was like, we need to buy him in this specific format, but other people, it's like, they either just were like, you know, I had people in my mentions after week one being like, LOL, you told us to buy Swift. You're a moron. I had people in my mentions, you know, after week two being like, you said, Swift sucks. He's a superstar. And it's like, okay, like, you know, we kind of got a part right, part wrong. I don't know. We, you can trace a through line. But it's a lot easier to just like only have one take, it's not nuanced, it's not relative to cost, it's not anything, because you're just like, because it's easier to have a clear right and wrong if you do that. And one of the ways you get to be right a little bit more often, is you get to entirely detach yourself from the game that we're playing, which is of course a game about trying to win fantasy football leagues. But if you don't wanna play that game and you just wanna play the be right on Twitter more often game, then all of a sudden you don't have to care about the impact of the outcome. You just have to care about the likelihood of the outcome. Josh Palmer scores 10.6 points per game for the rest of the season. And Quinn Johnson scores seven. You can hang the fucking banner next to the zero dollars <laughs> in the bank account. It <laughs> says, I was right on Twitter. September 27th, 2023. <laughs> right? The, uh, Jim saying would hang that right next to AFC finalists 2014. Oh, yeah. um, and to me, that's the only explanation. We're in a league, some of our bulletproof leagues that are redraft leagues, you can start like five, six wide receivers. It's two running back, three wide receivers, two or three flex. The appeal of like a professional wide receiver who will score 11 to 12 points per game in that format is legitimate. It's not league winning, but it's a legitimate appeal. Like I had Zay Jones in one of our bulletproof leagues last year, and I was like very grateful for that because it was like legitimately helpful to have a guy that I could start as my wide receiver six. But in 90% of leagues, especially the leagues that I think a lot of people that are recommending Palmer are usually catering to, that's not the case. Your wide receiver six is firmly planted on the bench. You probably shouldn't even roster a wide receiver six. So I don't really know what purpose Josh Palmer is serving. Palmer last year had just under 13 points per game um, during the period in which Keenan Allen, in which one of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams was out. But that also includes a period... For the most part, where both were out. That to me is the ceiling. Because we're now replacing, let's let's say he runs every three wide receiver set. We're now replacing one of those bots, which last year was sometimes Mike Williams and sometimes Michael Bandy, with now always Keenan Allen. And then we're replacing that other slot with what was DeAndre Carter, is now Quentin Johnston. Maybe Quentin Johnson's horrible. He's probably better than DeAndre Carter. At worst, he's probably the same. DeAndre Carter is like the most replacement-level wide receiver imaginable. <laughs> and I promise you that Keenan Allen is a better target earner than Mike Williams slash Michael Bandy. So we have this ceiling last year that's fairly uneventful. He's facing a threat for not even retaining the two-wide receiver set role. Quentin Johnson eventually um, outshines him. And even if he does stay in that role, he's now competing with better target earners on both sides. So that's probably coming down. They also have not actually shown the inclination to necessarily pass always that much. They, they have in recent weeks. They didn't out of the gate when Austin Eckler was healthy. Can you explain to me what possible purpose Josh Palmer serves other than people wanting to dunk on Quentin Johnston fans? Because that's the only possible purpose that I can see in touting Josh Palmer
0: Private of Brampton.
1: Shout out Canada.
0: That is that is the only uh the only option. I I I didn't even like when when Mike Williams got hurt and they were like, Oh, it could be season ending. I was like, Oh, well, I mean, that sucks for Mike Williams. Great news for Quinton Johnson. Never even occurred to me, did like didn't even register that somebody out there would be like, No, 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 Josh Palmer's your guy. Like it it, did, it didn't even cross my mind. It, it was so far from anything that I was even considering that it was, it was mind blowing. And then it kept seeing it. And it was like, at first I was like, Oh, it's just, you know, like a one-off, like, you know, people have weird takes. It's fine. And then it, it happened again and again and again. And I was like, what is happening? Like, there's actually like a lot of people saying Josh Palmer, and I don't know if I, I got quite to the place where you said you were feeling like it was the majority, but it was it was way more than I was comfortable with. And then as I went through it, I was just like, why are people saying this? Like, this isn't helping anybody win their league. Like, these are analysts saying it, and it's not helping. There's nobody that this is helping at all. And then I was like, it has to be like, they're like, hey, I just want to get one right. You just got to ring right. the banner. And if you, like, and if you spend...
1: I mean, this is a big thing with Fab, too. Like, it's too late now because everybody's already done their waiver claims by the time we're talking about this podcast. But, like, I think people think about Fab very incorrectly. Like, I had this argument with people about Jerome Four, where I was like, I would actually just empty the clip. And I had felt the same way about Puka where I was like, I would empty the clip on Puka. And then I was like, you missed on Puka. I'd empty the clip on Jerome Ford. I'm usually an empty the clip kind of guy. And the reason for that is, like, basically, once you no longer have the most Fab in the league, you lose a lot of leverage. So to me, like, and usually the guys that you want to add on fab that have the biggest hits are usually either going to be the one where it's like, this is an obvious empty the clip spot and whoever has the most fab gets them. Or it's like, I'm going to take this speculative ad on this one guy that nobody's talking about right now, or like he hasn't done anything for a while, then he later emerges. But the guy where it's like, Oh yeah, you could pick up Matt Breida for two percent of your fab. Like that guy's almost never the guy that you look back on and you're like, wow, like that was a really league-changing situation, right? It's usually either going to be like, like a chain this weekend. It's like, whoa, like I gotta get him on my teams. Like there's this rookie who just had this insane performance, or if oh Nick Chubb just went down with a torn ACL. Like if Jerome Ford gets this massive role, which. I think we're gonna talk about him later. Who knows if that sustains? But if he gets it, that's legitimate upside. Puka, this rookie comes out of nowhere, dominates all his targets. Like you're not if, if emptying the clip on Jerome, on Josh Palmer. be a mistake because he's not a very high upside play. But like, I don't even really know what purpose it serves to bid like twenty percent of your fab on him or thirty percent of your fab on him. Not because that's necessarily bad inherently, but it almost certainly precludes you from being able to bid big on the next like empty the clip guy. So yeah. it's one thing if you're in a really deep league where, like, every handcuffed running back is rostered, but some home leagues I'm in, like, Elijah Mitchell is on waivers right now in my work league, and I didn't even pick him up because I already have, like, Roshan Johnson, Jalen Warren, and Tyje Spears, and, like, I can drop one of those guys for Elijah Mitchell, but it's, like, kind of the same thing all across the yeah. board, so, like, I, I don't know, they're all kind of the same Point being, if Christian McCaffrey went out next week, I would obviously bid 100% of my fab on Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, the clip. So would everybody. But like that's the case for a lot of home leagues. So, bidding on Josh Palmer is like a massive opportunity cost of being able to get that type of guy. And I think that that nuance is really lacking, that like it's more all or nothing than it seems. Like You spending zero fab to, what, to 100% of your fab is not a linear scale. Like, and by the, by the same token, once you're no longer in that big blind position, you've like already spent some fat, like you kind of may as well just keep doing it. Because at that point, you're trying to make it up by, you know, just continually spending a little bit of fat. Um, I haven't seen that after the discussion discussed at all. But to me, that's even more the case for like, if you, once you make a bid that precludes you from making the biggest bid on someone, you better be taking a massive cut. And Josh Palmer is not a massive cut. Last year, he was at 16.158. Um, targets per run 1.24 yards per run that's just like a like a wide receiver three slash four quality player in the nfl
0: yeah it's uh it's real real bad and i don't understand it and i i really don't yeah it's it just if, if, you, if you don't follow me on twitter follow me on twitter and go to the thread it says just search the fb encounter I am convinced that the Palmer versus QJ waiver discussion is the most obvious litmus test for do you know ball or not? Obviously in this context, I'm talking about fantasy football, not real football yeah. because I don't give a shit about real football. We're playing fantasy football. And, uh, and then there's a whole thread. There's, I don't know, eight, 10 tweets. Maybe it's nothing too, uh, too complex, but when uh, it like my, my mentions have been on fire for like a whole day. Uh, as a result of this and basically everyone's telling me that I'm a fool and if quentin Johnson was actually good he would be playing ahead of uh, Josh, Palmer, Josh Palmer which is an interesting concept because does that mean that Quinton Johnson is bad because he can't pass Josh Palmer who is in like bad then like he can't pass the bad player that's why he's bad. Is that the argument? Because this is a right. weird argument to to go with on you should pick up Josh Palmer. Pick up the bad wide receiver because that's always panned out well for everyone. Uh, right. I, I I was so tilted by this. I then went and put up another poll or another tweet post. Pardon me. I put up a new post and it was just a simple poll. Is Josh Palmer good or not good? And it was overwhelmingly not good. And then I come back to the fact that we simply do not see bad wide receivers in any offense really have a tremendous degree of success. Yes, we see 10 to 12 points per game. That happens. But we rarely see 14, 15, 16 points per game, which is really the only thing that makes any kind of impact. If you were in a redraft league, you can probably get somewhere around 10 points per game off waivers virtually every week. Like it, it's it's not hard to get a ten right, point three. There's player. no
1: functional difference between like Josh Palmer and Adam Thielen.
0: No, not at all. Well, Adam Thielen's probably on waivers either, though. But still, sure. Like, there's just there's He's just a Shark. That's that's a great example. There's really no functional difference in having one or the other in your lineup because it's going to be a marginal difference. He's just a the route eater. Other. Yeah. So. And, and that's kind of, like, the crux of it is, like, well, if Josh Palmer was good, then we can't really blame Quinton Johnson for being bad because he's behind a good player. Uh, and if Josh Palmer is bad, then we really
1: don't want him on our team anyway because he's bad. And that's exactly quite that simple. Like, the whole the whole reason people are down on Quentin Johnson, he hasn't ran enough routes for anyone to be, like, he's bad because of his play, right? The entire yeah. thesis of why he's bad. No, no one blames him for being behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Like, no one... Ever would have expected him to pass those guys in three weeks. It's not reasonable to expect him to pass legitimately good NFL wide receivers in three weeks. Nobody's upset at JSN for not passing Lockett and Metcalf. They're a little bit upset, I think, by like his low ADOT and that they're not running more three wide receiver sets. But no one's like, why is he not taking Tyler Lockett off the field yet? The whole reason why people are tilting about QJ is that he hasn't taken Palmer off the field. Inherent in that grievance is that you think Josh Palmer sucks. So like you can't then be excited about Palmer. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's a wild ride. It's a wild, wild yeah. ride. Um well, we're on the same side with that one, but let's get into well, let's just talk about QJ a little bit in, in his own vacuum, like in a dynasty context. Um we're on the same side of this discussion because I don't even think it's like a player take discussion. I think it's just like a do you value the possibility of upside discussion really right like I I talked to you before the show how I picked up like a ton of Christian Watson last year in the early middle of the year off waivers because I was just like I think this guy's probably ass but I don't know it's like a rookie who's athletic it was, maybe he gets healthy maybe he does something and then I was starting every single week during the fantasy playoffs um to me it's that simple with Quentin Johnston like regardless of what I think of him as a prospect and to be clear I think he's a much better prospect than, Quentin, than Christian Watson was um, like, oh, do I want, like, the young upside rookie who I don't know anything about, or, like, do I want the guy who we know too much about? But if the guy who was a bigger fan of Quentin Johnson a prospect, like, what, what's your level of concern if this Mike Williams thing is an opportunity, let's say, to re-roll him for, like, a 20, 25 first? Would you get off the train at this point, or are we holding on?
0: I'm holding on. I, I'm... Like I was I mentioned this to someone in the in the comments to my thread so I don't think really anybody saw it. But basically the 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 crux of it is wide receivers take time to develop. They they don't get on the field right away in full-time roles very often. Usually they start in like a 50% uh, snap share kind of thing somewhere thereabouts, which means they're usually the wide receiver 3 in their offense with two wide receivers in front of them. Usually a good one and not a good one. And that's essentially what is happening here is that we have or we had two good wide receivers and then we had another wide receiver that's like his third year on the team. Like this isn't some guy they pulled off the street to fill up the depth chart. Like he's been on the team for three years and we're now going to be in a situation with Mike Williams out where we're having a normal rookie year progression where we're going to have probably Keenan Allen run all the snaps. And Josh Palmer run a whole pile of snaps as well. And then Quinton Johnston will get, you know, 50% or roughly whatever. Depends on how many three wide receiver sets they run, but like 50, 60% Mm -hmm. of the snaps. And uh, and that's normal. If you go and look at virtually everyone else, JSN and Jordan Addison, and go back and look at last year's rookies, Garrett Wilson was running behind Corey Davis for like three weeks. Like Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson was running behind. Was it all of the BC Johnson Johnson? for two or three weeks? Actually, I think he was running behind him for like five weeks, despite having like 200 yards receiving per game from three week, week three onward. Like it's super, super common to be in this situation where the player isn't really getting a lot of snaps. What is super uncommon is having two legitimate star wide receivers. And then a third guy who's been on the team for a long time. Uh, So I'm not that panicked right now. If, if, Quentin Johnson doesn't play 50% of the snaps this week, and there's some other guy who's playing ahead of him. Sound the damn alarms. I'm panicking
1: now. That is a huge problem. Get yeah, ready for the um, Darius Davis snaps. Yeah, I mean, to be to be fair, in-game, if I want to try to play devil's advocate, in-game, when Mike Williams got hurt, they basically just played nonstop 12 personnel for the rest of the game. They were like, we'll just play both Everett and Parham. And yeah. Quentin Johnson ran like three routes, which is... Um, Like a little concerning, but I do think there's something different to like, you know, we had a game plan coming into the week and it didn't involve this guy versus now we got a full week of practice. We're going to reformulate the game plan. Um, I don't think it matters a ton. I don't know. It matters like a little bit, but it's like very much the margins to me. I'm not that concerned about it because he
0: was fourth on the depth chart and they were probably not like sitting beside me, like, hey, Quinton, like, you got to learn the playbook this week, man. Like, you're going to be on the field. Right. This week, they're going to be like, I suspect, hey, Quinton, we can't run too tight end the whole game, so you're going to have to play. Yeah, we're Here's not the, the Patriots. Plays. Learn them today. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. like I said, if that doesn't happen, then I'm panicking. That's That's where I'm like, hey, this is not right. He should be able to get on the field ahead of guys that have never seen the field before. And right. if he doesn't, I will panic if he goes out and he plays 50% of the snaps and he gets, you know, I don't know, four or five targets. It's fine. It's whatever. It's, it's a normal rookie year. I'm I'm not, uh, I'm not
1: freaking out. I'm right. not happy. I'm not sad. I, I do think too, like there, there's, a, I've seen people make the sky more comparison, which I, which I totally get. I do think there's a pretty big difference between a first year or first round tech, a second round pick, And that like, Second round picks, I think, can fail in ways that we don't see. Like, it's not it's, – it's pretty uncommon, but it's not crazy uncommon for second round picks to just, like, basically never get a shot, quote, unquote, even though they probably do get a shot. It's just, like, that they're horrible at practice or whatever. Yeah. Um, but first round picks, like, almost always have to fail on the field because I feel like there's almost an element for the organization of, like, you just can't really justify to the fans that, like, we took this guy in the first round and we never let him play in games like Jalen Rager like got a ton of snaps, and the people probably already knew they weren't going to go well, but I just feel like you can't really t- tell your fans like, look guys like, we drafted a total bomb and we already know he's a bomb. Just like trust us. Whereas like JJ white Whiteside never really did. Like they gave him like snaps in a couple games when literally everybody else was hurt, but for the most part they were like, hand up, we made a mistake. <laughs> like, we're, yeah. not, we're not playing this guy. He's bad. Um, he was a
0: second-round pick. It's fine.
1: <laughs> Cody Latimer. I don't know why he sticks out in my mind, but he sticks out in my mind as, like, a second-round pick. He's, like, a third-rounder, was never the field. He was a second-rounder. Was he? Oh. Yeah, I'm almost certain he was a second-round pick. He could have been. He was big, I remember.
0: Like, he was, like, a very uh, sexy alpha-looking yeah, guy. Yeah, he was
1: drafted in the second round. He was drafted in the second round. And that's the guy that, like, was never really, like, quote-unquote, given a shot um, the first thing was like Nikhil Harry was given a shot, right? Like Nikhil Harry had a full season, not really his first season more as much, but in his second season, they're like, okay, like we're giving you a chance, Nikhil. And he was like, I can't play football. And they're like, oh, okay.
0: Um, <laughs> that's what he said. He went into the huddle. Like actually yeah. I can't
1: play this game. Get me out of here. Like the only guy I can think of that never got like a really extended shot was Kevin White. And that was more just cause every time he did, he got immediately hurt. Um, um I'm gonna go ahead
0: and say that you're you're incorrect. That's not the only guy you can think of. The other guy is so irrelevant that you can't think of him because of his irrelevance. And if I could just interest you in watching his highlight reel one more time, I am certain you'll remember who it is. Highlight reel of his rookie season lasts about six seconds. His name's La- Laquan Treadwell. And he
1: never got a oh, shot. Oh, yeah, he never got a shot. That's true. He didn't get a shot. He actually never that's, that's true. He, like, never played. Okay. no, Not, not until, well, like, the one two teams
0: later. He then played he played a, a little bit with the Jaguars though, yeah. a couple years ago.
1: Okay. So that's basically where we're at. So that's is, like, the guy. Unless... <laughs> that's true. Unless He actually – okay, so I just have it in front of me, and Laquan Fredwell started seven games his second year and seven games his third year. It's rough. Not just played, started. Yeah, oh, yeah. So he didn't get a chance.
0: Just so not in his rookie got year. got a
1: chance. Not in his rookie year. My point being with all this, like, I think even if Quentin Johnson is bad, he was probably going to get a shot anyway. He's definitely going to get a shot now because Mike Williams is out. Yeah. And I think even if he's bad, like, look at Josh Palmer, for instance. Josh Palmer sucks. Targets per run is brutal. Yard run runs brutal. Matt Harmon's on record saying he might be his least favorite wide receiver in the entire NFL. Uh, The second. Let's just pause for a second because have
0: you, you you've probably seen it, but like his success rate versus coverage per uh, reception perception versus man, he's in the seventh percentile, but that's okay because he's really good against zone at the fifth percentile. <laughs> he doesn't beat any coverage, he literally doesn't beat coverage. That's the like yeah. you're saying Nikhil Harry goes into the f- huddle and he's like, I can't actually play football. Palmer is like, if they don't cover me, I'll be a lot
1: better, I promise. Right. Oh, it's brutal. So, point being, like, and people still kind of like him and he still kind of scored some points. It's good to be Justin Herbert's offense, right? They're going to throw a million times. They play at a really high pace, all that. So, and then you have, you know, Quentin Johnson's first round draft, capital uh, pedigree. Basically, I think even if QJ is total butt as like a player in the vacuum, He's probably still going to play, and he's probably going to sell off like some moments. Like, I feel like worst case scenario is he'll play as the clear wide receiver three the rest of the year. He'll run like 70 to 75 percent of the route. So he'll have like a 15 percent targets per route run. He'll probably still make a few plays and score a few touchdowns, and people will be like, "Mike Williams is hurt and dead." He'll be the wide receiver two next year. They drafted him for a reason. Like, you one of the same value as today, but you're probably still going to be able to move him for like a second round pick. So, so actually, so, to me, topic- the. Point- actually kind of high like not the floor in terms of like what is he as a player but in terms of like what can you sell him for next off season if we're pretty sure he's bad i would still really bet he's worth a second round pick because guy Moore is still worth a second round pick romeo dubs is still worth a second round pick like like once you kind of have any sort of reason behind you you have to fully tread well it and i think that's pretty much out of the cards at this point so i would hold quentin johnson i would even buy quentin johnson and and then, I mean, the thing is, like, I always thought he had a lot of bust risk. Like, I never said he was a horrible prospect. I said he was a high variance prospect. I thought his bust risk was pretty high. I also think his ceiling is pretty high. Um, you know, you take a player like that, we're going to talk about fields probably, um, and you start to weight the price closer to where more of the bust is priced in and less of the boom is priced in. I, I'm in. So I'll, I'll be sending some Quentin Johnston offers. Probably not a first. That'll probably send, like, I don't know, some, like, kind of boring receivers and see see what happens.
0: Well, I don't you're going to get them for a discount right now coming of the injury. But,
1: like, if he puts I think up a you think you might, in, based on how people feel about them. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. I feel like uh, some people are looking at this and they're like, this is, like, my chance to sell high. Um, I'm going to probably try in half my leagues this week. I don't want to do it i don't want the thing is i don't want to do it i don't want to blow the load first week and let them know that i'm like a truther and then like next week try again because then people will just find me aggravating so i'm going to try on like 40 percent of my leagues this week and then the rest are going to wait he's probably going to be behind josh palmer this week and i'm just going to hope that he doesn't catch a touchdown and then i'm going to try and swoop in next week on on people being like oh my god he didn't even play when mike williams was out
0: yeah so i i did a Like talking about like his, I guess, residual value and how you have more opportunities to get out. I did a thread this. I did. I had done a lot of threads this week, but I did one thread in particular, which was the week three recap. And the first player we talked about was Quinton Johnson, and uh, basically, people were like, "Oh, should we sell? Should we get out? Are we panicking? What about Sky Moore?" And I was just like, "You guys need to relax. It's three weeks." This is not a normal depth chart. Usually, wide receivers drafted in the first round don't end up on depth charts with two star wide receivers and a third one who's like
1: been on the team for three years, like veteran. Right, like Addison, is is Addison be is still play. behind Osborne. Osborne and Palmer are like basically the same guy. Yeah, it's just that Osborne happens to be the two instead of the three, so we're still seeing Addison play exactly. Which
0: is what's going to happen next week, presumably with Quinton Johnson. He'll be in the Jordan Addison role where he's playing. Fifty percent of the snaps, and away we go. Anyways, so I went through this, and I went through uh, every wide receiver since twenty seventeen drafted, or twenty sixteen maybe, drafted in round one of the NFL draft, and I looked at their year two dynasty ADP and startup drafts. And basically, what we're looking at is a whole bunch of dudes. This is this is only the ones that were like low second year ADP, and so like guys in the 50 and later range and basically we have john ross who was like injured and and like a pretty sketchy prospect to begin with uh he was 157 that was really bad and then after that pretty much the worst is like 100 we have laquan Treadwell with 150 and he had one one reception for like eight yards and he's still 113th in startup pick uh, then we got Will Fuller at 101, and then we got Henry Ruggs at 99, and Kadarius Tony at 97, and Jalen Rieger at 94, and so on and so forth. We like we're not getting out of the second round of uh, rookie draft value range, no matter how bad the rookie year goes. So to panic and sell them now for like a early second is just ludicrous to me. Like just let it play out. We're not we're not like the bottom's not going to drop drop out of this. So we got time. And then uh, to, like, counterbalance that with where the last first-round pick every year for the past uh, back to 2014 goes in these same ADPs, we're looking at 111, 89, 84, 66, 96, 76, 93, 102, 72, 87. So it's really, really, really high probability that we are going to have Quinton Johnson available to be sold and or bought at worst for, like, a fringy first-second So. There's just no reason to sell right now. That's really what it comes down to. You have a lot of time to wait before you have to panic. And even then, you probably don't have to panic. And even then, if he is really, really, really inexpensive, we're just going to keep him anyway like we did with Sky Moore. And I know that Sky Moore hasn't worked out. I understand that. But he's also running every freaking route in the Patrick Mahomes offense right now. So, like... There's gonna be chances and we're probably gonna get a Sky Moore blow up game because he's on the field every friggin snap maybe he doesn't put up a season long hot st- or like a season long season that matters but we're probably gonna get a two or three game stretch where he scores a touchdown has 100 yards and then goes for six receptions another game and we're gonna get right. a stretch of 13 14 points per game and everyone's gonna say and Sky Moore has arrived and we're gonna say get the hell out because we've had too much time <laughs> seeing complete awful me- mediocrity. But right now you just sit on Sky Moore and we'll wait for that stretch to happen because he's getting on the field all the time. And that's gonna happen to uh, Ethan the- Johnson at some point, too. If the worst case scenario plays out, and if the best by the case is not though go ahead. No, you go, you go. It's gonna say if the best case scenario plays out, we have a bona fide alpha wide receiver and a Josh, Justin Herbert offense for the next decade. Like the the, the ceiling here is right. so attractive that I don't really care that much about if it goes to second round picks and I have to get out in a panic like I am going to try with Sky Moore at some point. Right. So
1: do people remember how like much they've changed on rookies recently? Like I swear people have the shortest possible memories. Like Devon A chain, who we're gonna talk about next because we're transitioning into um, some of the breakups to discuss and whether we're buying those, selling high, etc. Um, A. Chain two weeks ago was a healthy scratch, and then he scored 50 fucking points, right? Like, he went from a guy that people were in the Discord being like, Should I just sell him for any second? Like, is, is, is he just dead? Is he completely dead? To like, Is he a top 12 dynasty running back? Like, in two weeks, right? So, like, <laughs> it's like Christian Watson is the guy that I keep bringing up. Like, he was completely left for dead. I saw him dropped in a dynasty league. Last year. <laughs> like, and then he completely went bonkers and he was a rookie of the year candidate by the end of the year. Like, folks, relax. Like, again, people, people will bring up Sky Moore. They'll bring up other guys. Bring up Bateman, for instance. By saying relax, I don't mean that every rookie is going to work out. But I do mean that the reason why we try to have extra rookie picks all the time and pick extra rookies in our drafts is because of the asymmetric upside that these profiles have. You can't go down that much in a year. You can go down, but like Sky Moore went from like a mid to late first value to like a mid second after pretty much worst case Ontario for a rookie season. Trey McBride went from like a mid second to like a mid second after doing like literally nothing. Right. Rashad Bateman, I don't even know if he fell in value. Like He basically maintained his value after doing really not that much um, as a rookie. Like The market is very lenient. You're basically looking at a second-round floor value for your first-round rookie picks, but you're looking at an infinite ceiling value. I mean, Sam Laporta in three games went from a guy that we could take in the early to mid-second round of our rookie drafts consistently to potentially the dynasty tight end one. Like, like no one is accepting a first-round pick for Sam Laporte. You better be. They're probably not even taking a first and a second, right? The room to grow. At worst, in a month, Quentin Johnson is going to be worth like an early second or a mid-second. At worst, in a year, he's probably going to be worth like a mid-second. At best, he could be worth two firsts in a month. It doesn't seem like it now. I don't. Even, I don't think that that's likely. But that is fully within his range of outcomes. We can come back on the air next week. And you could have had six catches for 150 yards at a touchdown. And people are saying, you know, would you rather have Quentin Johnston or Stefan Diggs in Dynasty? This wild these drive. types of this type of upside is only available in these rookies. And so you just have to be willing to white knuckle it, take on a little bit of pain sometimes when it doesn't work out, and take on some small losses because that's how you get access to these massive wins, right? When Adam Thielen has 11 for 145 in a touchdown. Nobody really cares. That third-round pick you were looking to get for him, maybe you can get that now. Congrats, you got a third-round pick. (laughs) But, like, people will always read into anything with these rookies, you know, and you get this linearity effect where people are expecting that this means something. So you got to hold them. Transitioning into Devon A. Chain, guy that we were diametrically... Oh, it's now A Chan, but that name sucks. I'm just going to keep calling him A Chain. Okay. Well, I just, isn't A Chain cooler than A chan I, I don't A-chan's know what's, what's his cooler. name. I have no idea. I don't know what's cool. Yeah. I'm like 40 years old. Fine. A. We're going to pick up A. Devon Austin <laughs> A A-Chan, 4 chan A Chain, 2 Chains, A Chains. Devon. Devon. The Miami DJ. Dolphins running back. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fucking day, man. Um, if you look on the next gen stats website, they don't have weekly rush yards over expectation the last two and into this year, uh, starting in 2021, they have weekly go back to 2020. It's only yearly. So there's no on record total where any other running back has recorded over 100 yards rushing above expectation until this week. First one that they've charted, highest graded rusher in the league by PFF. Um, Highest scoring fantasy running back in at least a while, (laughs) certainly of this year. Um, I famously have always been a very big fan of Devon A. Chain. You famously have not been a very big fan of Devon A. Chain. Your thoughts? Um... My thoughts are that he... Did you watch the game? Did you you watch him play? Can you just be honest? Of course not. Did you watch the highlights on Twitter?
0: Of course not. I scroll through. I block anybody who posts highlights, actually. I I (laughs) I mute them. I don't want them to know that I don't want to see them. (laughs) No, I I, uh, I think that he was incredible this week. Um, Good for him career game. And uh, I don't know that it, like obviously it changes a lot because he's not a healthy scratch and that's a huge upgrade, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know that it changes a lot from like a preseason to now. Like I feel like it removes the, like to some degree anyway, it removes like bust factor, but I, I didn't think he was like a super bust out of the league in like two years guy. Anyway, I thought he was more like a hang around being a dude doing things that don't really matter for a long time. Player, and I don't know that this game changes that for me all that much considering that it was a singular game and he was a healthy scratch two weeks ago. And uh, also, like, I don't something think there was going on at this point. Something like, weird was going on. Up. Don't you think something weird was going on? What was weird going on? I don't know. They ran for like a league record number of rush yards between two running backs.
1: Well, yeah, Denver played horribly, and they raised them. So I'm just like, like, I'm not like. But part of that's the fun. Like, don't you you want players involved in offenses that are capable of putting up 70? Right? Like most. Like I don't care who you play. I don't care what day you play. Like there's probably 25 to 27 offenses in the league that just have like nowhere close to that capability of explosion. That yeah, I like get the haves and have-nots league, right? Like, you watch like the Falcons play, you watch the, I don't know, even just like normal teams, like the Saints play, whatever else. It's like, like they're not playing the same sport that like no. what of what Miami is doing and some of these other teams. Like, you want players attached to this machine. Uh,
0: yeah, I guess to some degree, sure. It's just uh. It's just at what cost. I, I really, what it comes down to at this point is at what cost. Because I'm right. ready to admit he's probably like a really good football player. I'm not ready to admit he's a really good fantasy football player for the long term at this point. And
1: right what's now, what's your think, Is it still the size that's the issue for you? Uh,
0: yeah, it's like size. I didn't think his profile was all that good. More so, I what, guess. But what
1: didn't you like about his profile outside of size? Like that—that's curious to me uh, because. He legitimately had bell Cow usage his last year at AM and he was playing I Spiller really to close to the 50 filler split.
0: I only really look at one year.
1: Okay, but well, we're talking about an early declare player who played his first two. I'll pull it off. Hold on. Okay, as you pull it up, we're talking about a player who was an early declare, played at an SEC program. And his first two years he's playing next to Isaiah Spiller, who like we now know is bad, but he was an NFL drafted back. So for college purposes, like that's was a pretty bad. legitimate competition and he's playing in a legit split and spiller for two years and then he gets an all-around workhorse role in his third year i I don't know what more you want
0: so Devin a chain was a or hn or however you say his name he was a um coin flip tier prospect so like he's not a bad prospect that's like that's like an upper tier prospect so it's not get carried away with he was a bad prospect but he had like a five point seven three raz, which is like really really bad, and that's because he's tiny. That's,
1: that's all owing to size. Yeah,
0: it, like he was a, he was a pretty good athlete, I thought. Like he, yeah, got he ran like a four three, three, or three or didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was so, really but, fast. But, but, but at like what was he? 199? He's no one eighty
1: eight.
0: One eighty eight. So like that's not great. And then uh, yeah, like he scored really poorly, I believe, in Lance uh What you call it? Great. Uh,
1: six point two really three morally, but yeah. Well it's certainly not, not good really enough morally. I mean it was what was he like what third in the class? Second, fourth in the class? It doesn't matter what he was in the
0: class, the class sucked. He was bad overall. He wasn't bad. He was he was below the mark I'm looking for. We'll put it that way. He was still like better than a whole bunch of guys that I would never consider even entertaining this conversation for. So like he wasn't terrible. He just wasn't good enough and then uh something just popped up in the way here one moment i don't even know how to remove that from my, my screen i will move holy shit i will move that out of the way okay and then we got yeah then he was like fine with everything else so yeah so it's basically just lazar line hated him and he didn't hate him Not he hate didn't him. like him that much and then he's small, and then he is uh, – he was never likely going to hit Raz, no matter how athletic he was because no, of how was was small nothing he could do. So yeah. it was just never going to happen. And
1: that's pretty much it. So my case for A-Chain has always been that, like, he's just been kind of mislabeled because he's small, where people have just kind of mis, like, put him as the scat back. And I've always said, like, it's totally possible that's just what ends up happening in the NFL. But that wasn't his profile. happened. Um, like that was not his profile. Like, in fact, his receiving ability in college is like fine. Like it's really not, That probably peaked at a 10% receiving yards, market share. shares, yards per run was, was relatively average. Um, it's like the type of receiving that if you have a workhorse profile, you're like, oh, and he can catch the ball, but it's not like a Jameer Gibbs where you're like, oh, like this is, he's a receiving bat. Um, but what he always plus was just like an extremely impressive runner where throughout his career. At Texas a and was substantially more efficient than Isaiah Spiller and then he gets his backfield to himself and he continues to just pump out really impressive advanced efficiency numbers on a really terrible offense in a really good conference both over a 90th percentile box adjusted efficiency rating that's for Noah Hills over 90th percentile relative yards per carry and his best marks across his full three years which is really interesting when you think about 188 pound running back is his relative success rate to teammates, so how consistent he is, and his force miss tackle rate, which is not really what you think of when you think of 188-pound back. People are thinking, oh, he's going to bounce everything from the outside. He doesn't have any power. a does run with power. When you watch him play versus Gibbs, and you can see it in this game, I don't mean to just pick on Gibbs because I like Gibbs, but Gibbs is a receiving back, and, he, and his size shows up on tape in terms of how he runs. He does not run with power. He has great speed. He's a great receiver. You watch them run to the outside and Gibbs is like playing Madden with the turbo button on. He's pressing a, he's running as fast as he can. And then he's either going to hit a hole and go through it, or he's going to run into space and he's going to get tackled. He's going to go to bounce. But with a chain, I kind of, it's akin to like a, a quarterback who's scrambling, but he's keeping his eyes downfield at all times. He's not just taking off. I've said, and I think it's like a crude comparison and I don't want to come off as like some film expert because I'm I'm not, but I watch a lot of these guys just kind of get a feel for them. And I think that there's generally kind of three levels of running back vision. It's like, one, can you hit an available hole or do you just like run in the back of your lineman? Two, are you patient enough to sort of wait for the best hole? Are you just going through the first hole you see or are you waiting for something to come about? And three, are you actually running in a way that manipulates defenders to line up a hole for you to dart through? And A-Chain is such a cerebral player that he's consistently at that second and third level. You see him throughout the game. He's patient, but he's maintaining forward momentum. He's waiting for holes to line up. He's darting through them. He's able to have a, leg- he's able to have a really low pad level, so he's able to continue to break tackles and move forward even at his size. And he's generally looking to execute the scheme as designed. He's not just willy-nilly bouncing things outside, driving coaches crazy. We already saw in this game where he was featured. He was the one that handled the plurality of the goal line touches, which is really impressive for 188 pound back, whether that's just dumb luck on the rotations is possible, but it's not like they looked at him and they were like, we got to get you out of there. Whenever we get inside the 10, he's an all around running back. I have, I've never really had much doubt beyond just the regular doubt that we have for any prospect that if he was given a chance to be a legitimate NFL running back, that he would be able to succeed. I didn't know if he would get given the shot. I still don't fully know he didn't play half the snaps in this game. But I do think that he's the kind of guy you needed A, an innovative coach to be willing to take advantage of a player like this. And B, this kind of don't let the genie can't put the genie back in the bottle type game, where it's now obvious like that this guy can play and they need to continue to let him play. This backfield's wide open. It's Raheem Mostert. It's maybe Jeff Wilson off the IR. And it's a front office that has continually shown that they don't really want to invest highly at the running back position. Right. This is a team. That since Chris Greer's been there, this has been their backfield strategy. They have rolled with a Matt Breida, Jordan Howard, Miles Gaskin running back room, and they were like, "Okay, Gaskin, you play." Then they didn't really replace Miles Gaskin; um, they just kind of like let him keep playing, and they they supplemented him with I can't even remember who, just like other random dudes the second year. Um, and then going in, oh, Patrick Laird was like playing some snaps for them at some point. Von Ahmed. And then they were like, okay, we're going to add most we're going to add, we're going to trade for Jeff Wilson. We're going to draft 18 in the third round. Like that's by far the most significant investment they've taken in the position. They could have had Dalvin cook. You wanted to sign there. They're like, we're good. I think this is kind of the perfect spot for him to just run with this. And I don't mean run with it in terms of, he's going to be Jonathan Taylor or Derek Henry and see 300 carries, but could he be like Aaron Jones I mean, he could even be Chris Johnson. That's the comp, right? That's the fun comp. Um, yeah, I think he has a legitimate chance to be one of the best runners in the NFL. I think he's a special talent, and he's in the best offense in the league. I, I'm buying high. I sent a 25 first for him in my home league. I acquired his services today.
0: That is, that is a take. So... I had a, a moment here to be able to pull up the zero line grades, uh, which I did just like to read out the players that have similar grades to him. So he was 6.23. So I picked all the 6.2 grades out of the bucket. We have a bunch of guys not drafted on day, th- or on, uh, day two, but we have Dexter Williams, Alex Collins, Paul Perkins, Devonta Booker, Kenneth Dixon, Isaiah Spiller, Zamir White, Kadeem Carey, Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson Jr., Dante Foreman, Trey Sermon, Damian Harris, Trey Mason, Daryl Henderson, TJ Yeldon, and Nick Chubb who, Lance Irland actually reached out to me directly and said, hey, that's the wrong grade for Nick Chubb. That's based on the old grading system. Here's the new one. You need to update that, and I never did. So, I'm sorry about that, everyone. Nick Chubb doesn't belong. But we literally don't have a single top 12 hit, and I don't think and I, I think that's accurate. Like, I don't feel like Devin a a, a chain a Chan a, a dude is going to have a substantial impact in the NFL. I think he could be a nice RB two for a bunch of years. I will wait and see. The first time that we have a hundred eighty nine pound lead full scale running back, I'll be thrilled for him if it happens. Love an underdog how, story.
1: Well, how how big was Chris Johnson? He was basically the same size, wasn't he? Mm, I thought he was 200. Uh, I think he like finished at 200. I have him. Uh, I see 195. Okay. So and Warwick. Okay. Warwick Dunn, I guess, would be the only guy who is actually that size that so you could go all the way back to. uh right, Warwick Dunn. Warwick Dunn was 187.
0: All right. So we got two guys in the history of the world. So that's great. Uh, It's like I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying
1: it's not probable. Jamal Charles (laughs) up to 199.
0: Yeah, Jamal Charles 199. Yeah, that's 10 pounds heavier. That that's a lot of. That's like a pant size. (laughs) And uh, and then yeah, you look at like the guys that aren't athletic, and it's it's it's. Awful to say he's not athletic. He's he runs a four three. He's super athletic. He's just so small that his RAS score will never will never pop. He could have ran, like a four one three, and it probably yeah. Wouldn't no, have he's, he's
1: he's so very very fast. It's just that, fast. that feels unfair on all fronts. You can't like, you can't hold a size and RAS against him. Like you can you can pick one, <laughs> but like yeah, RAS is only back into the size. So you can't be like he's small and he's also unathletic. He's not. He's just small.
0: Well, I don't have size in my
1: database as like an input, right? So right, uh, like actually, when you're speaking you know. about him, it's not like he's small and unathletic like Devin Singletary, for instance. He's just no, no, it's not that capable of posting a good RAS score because he's small. He's yeah. he's one of the fastest running backs in the league. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, but he's just so small. I don't know. It's it's really hard to see this becoming a real,
1: real thing, I guess.
0: And uh, I guess if you're
1: close minded. But- it's definitely which, like I, I admit freely, like I, I was I was talking about this on the show with Pat and Davis. Like, there's kind of it was an element of like player take imposter syndrome that I have. Where, like, I, I mean, the, I think one of the first articles I ever wrote, I was thinking about thinking, was basically like my goal with this column is to like try and give you an edge in Dynasty Leagues without necessarily giving you an edge in player takes. So, it's a little hard when we get a spot like A chain where it's like, I, I do feel very convicted about the player personally, but it's kind of hard to then like, some people are very comfortable just being like this this guy. And I think he's great. And I'm taking him here. I, I do struggle with that. Like I, it's not that I don't have player takes. I very much do. I think this is why I sometimes maybe come across like a little bit talking about both sides of my mouth, because there are players like a chain where I'm like, my personal conviction in this player is very high, but also I could be wrong. Also, I could be right that the coaches could disagree with me and and make weird decisions or whatever else. Like there's just so much more of it than like my take that I don't really want to get out over my skis, you know, chasing an outlier profile, but it's pretty hard not to when you see this game I think what it like, people were asking kind of where I was at on his value. And I was like, I'm probably going to put him either at the very top of my late first tier or the very bottom of my base first tier in my rankings. And then Cooper was said, like, oh, that's kind of underwhelming. And I was like, well, honestly, like a player like this is kind of where rankings become almost a pretty imperfect vehicle to discuss like how to feel about this guy. Because reality is, like, I'm not selling him, partially because I think at some level this game is supposed to be fun. And, and also because I think. There aren't that many special players, and I think that it's, I don't know how to put this perfectly actionably, but ultimately this is a power law game that's defined by a few special players that can make a massive impact, and basically those players are either the players we already know are really special or the really young players we don't know that much about that have some sort of special traits. And when I see a performance like that, the player profile like this, that's probably when the reasons he kind of fell is kind of like not that related to his performance. Like it's kind of like, oh, this guy might be too small. Like that's kind of what I want when I'm looking for an outlier is like a guy when someone's like, this guy doesn't really have a comp. It's like, well, if I'm already betting on an outlier, I kind of want to bet the guy that doesn't have a comp. I don't want to bet on the guy that has a bunch of shitty comps. Um, <laughs> so to me, this is a guy with a chance to be special. I just don't want to get rid of him. And at the same time, I can't look someone in the face and be like, yeah, his efficient price is two firsts. Because it's not efficient. So I don't really know how to say this because (laughs) on one end, I'm definitely not going out of my way to go and trade for him well above what I would rank him at. But I would also need substantially above what I would rank him at to get rid of him. And I guess maybe the easiest way of putting this is just I want to be overweight on Devon A. chain And it's easier to just decline offers than it is to go and make a bunch of other offers. So to maintain a plus market position, I'm basically just declining offers unless I'm offered something truly otherworldly. I would legitimately give late ones for him um, because I don't think you're usually getting like super, super, super elite superstar upsides In the late one, you're getting usually core solid, good football players and I think A-Chain has a chance to be special that I'm willing to make that risk reward bet. So that's where I'm at. I'm sending late ones, or perceived to be late ones, and I'm declining everything you fucking send me because I drafted him and he's mine.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're, we're actually not that far
1: off because I I am...
0: I, I'm absolutely selling him for a first. Like, I, I can't see myself looking at a first round pick and thinking I would rather have this 188 pound running back that may or may not be good. Uh, so, yeah, I'm selling for a first, but I'm also not selling for a second. Like I, if you come to me and
1: you're like, I got a second, second would game. be would be wild. He, he was like, I don't one two turn.
0: If somebody came to me with like a really early first or a really early second, and they're like, "Hey, like this is probably going to be like two or three, two or 2 I'm probably just being like, "You know what? I can get a two or two or two three in like four or five weeks if things go south from here." So I'll just wait. And if uh, if he keeps being awesome, then I'm going to be thrilled, and right. I'll just wait it out. And maybe he's going to be the special game changer that you're referring to. But if but like I said, if somebody comes with a first right now. Especially if it's next year, I'm I'm probably just taking it. Uh, actually, you know what? I'd probably take a 25 as well. I, I would take any first for him. And that's more like I guess game theory-ish than it is yeah. like player take-ish. Like I, I don't I don't feel like he's a bad player. And I, I don't I don't feel like I ever felt like he was a bad player. I just felt like what's the ceiling here? What are we really talking about? Is anybody ever gonna look this guy in the face and say, hey, handle a whole bunch of touches? Or are they going to look him in the face and say, hey, you're Darren Sproles, and that's pretty fun, but Darren Sproles never really
1: mattered. So, yeah. Yeah, I think – I mean, I don't think he's ever going to get – I mean, it's kind of interesting because I also think he kind of can get a million touches. Like, he has a 38-carry game in the SDC, and he has, like, 215 yards and three touchdowns. Like, he's not – it's not like Gibbs where you're like, he can't – like, Gibbs and James Cook, I mean, not that those two are even equivalent. But like those are examples of guys who like weren't actually workhorses in college, and so they're also small. changed kind of was like it's more like a Philip Lindsay situation. Although, obviously, I think he's better than Philip Lindsay, but like small guy who did get a bunch of work in college. I wouldn't say he was limited there in college. It's more just the NFL. But he's going to be probably really efficient, I think, because he's good. He's also going to be efficient because of this offense can we get 12 to 15 carries per game and five to six targets per game? And we get like 2020, like not this year's Tony Pollard role, but like last year's Tony Pollard role or like peak Aaron Jones role. That's, I think kind of what I'm aiming for.
0: I feel like that's a lot to ask. Like 15 carries a game is like 250 carries
1: and not many guys get that. I don't think. Well, one of the reasons why a lot of people don't get 250 carries because a lot of people don't play 17 games. Sure. Like
0: I, I'd be more like if we get 150 carries and like 80 or 90 targets, I'd be pretty excited. Like I, I feel like that's kind of what I would expect. Well, for 80, his, like, 90 targets would be
1: crazy. I don't think he's gonna get 80, 90 targets. No. Well, I think he's like a pretty average pass catcher.
0: Well, that makes like, him. A I lot think less he's,
1: he's a way better. He's like a way better runner than a pass catcher. Like I, I think he can be a totally serviceable pass catcher and like a threat and face. He's you so just fast... Said-
0: Five targets per game. That's 85 targets.
1: Yeah. He says 80, 90 targets is too much. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I get it. It's just, there's kind of like a thing. I don't know. There's like a, it's harder to hit like over your Maybe it's like a median of five targets, but like it's harder to hit Hmm. like above five targets as frequently as it is to like hit under five targets. That's like when you think about it in one game versus when you think about it a whole season, it's kind of a thing. But anyway. I'm thinking, like, at Aaron Jones. Well, with Aaron Jones was 2019. He probably I'm going to guess he saw, like, 240 carries and 60 targets. That's what I'm just guessing, and I have no idea. Right. But I'm going to find out. Let's see.
0: You have that capability. What did you see,
1: Aaron? Aaron Jones in 2019, which is his RB2 overall year. Wow, I actually guessed pretty well. I said 240 and 60,
0: 236 and 68. Wow, terrible. But he also had, like... 47 touchdowns that year, so good, for right? Him.
1: You know what team's gonna score a lot of touchdowns? The Miami Dolphins,
0: they might. There's a chance, there's a they chance scored 10
1: of them. <laughs> 10 <in one> game. <laughs> they must be good. <laughs> All right, uh, that's a chain. Um, we gotta go rapid fire. We spent an hour, we've talked about two players. Let's go near no more than. We're going to go no more than I'm, I'm going to say no more than 5. I know that we're actually going to probably do 10, but I'm going to say 5. No players five. or 5 minutes minutes per player. I know oh, yeah, we'll yeah. Have to probably go 10, but I'm just going to say we probably so that We probably we probably will probably more than, 10. No, <laughs> more than ten. No, <laughs> we're not going well, more than 10. We're not going more than 10. We've already well, We've done, done more. two players 30
0: minutes each. So if we just keep up that pace, we'll go to bed in about 6 hours and we get through the whole right. list.
1: Well, before we get to the rest of the list, I want to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by um, the fight. Absolutely nobody. Out. This podcast is not an no, 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 One, we record podcast- fairly intermittently, and two, none of you want to groom your filthy <laughs> pubic hair. You're just, we're just exclusively are listened to by Neanderthals who refuse to scape their manhood or unscaped this podcast is actually brought
0: to you by thinking about thinking the hottest oh. new newsletter on the market. Yeah. So sign up today, support hey. Jacob. Is it also brought to you uh, by bulletproof fantasy football? Oh yeah. It's, it's in the name. I'm not sure we can really do that, but yeah. It's bulletproof What's fantasy football, football has sponsored the sweat and bullets, bulletproof fantasy football <laughs> podcast. And that's pretty great.
1: Great. So well, where man. are we going with next? Um, let's talk about Puka. Um, Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make this structure. We're not just going to have, like, an open a conversation. Oh, yeah. Okay? Here's the rule. One, is it real? Two, what are you buying for? Three, what are you selling for? Okay? Puka Nakua. Is it real? Yeah, it's real. You getting me?
0: Great. What are you buying for? Okay, no, I just want to talk about that for a second because it's so funny that people <laughs> are, like, panicking about this. They're like, oh, it, it all came crashing down. He only had five for 71. like, that's, like, the best worst game I've ever seen. If this is the floor, sure.
1: I'm all the way in. <laughs> it's so funny because I was out. Like, I didn't watch the Monday night game. I'm sorry. I, I like, I saw the first, like, I, I think I saw the first half. And then I went out for drinks. And then I didn't think anything of it. And I just looked and I was like, oh, what did Puka have today? I was like, oh, 7 Okay. Pretty, pretty solid game. Like, still good, I guess. And I went on Twitter and I, I saw tweets. It was like, I like Puka before his he changed his name to Travis Fulgham. Hope you sold Puka. It's all over now. I'm like, I like double-checked the score. I was like, did I miss something? And It was like 7, 572. I was like, man, like clearly we've gotten to a high point when people are like victory laughing that Puka only scored 12 points per game. That's like, <laughs> you guys are spending all your fab on Josh Palmer. You'll be very lucky if he averages what Puka just had in his Travis Folgum game.
0: Uh, I, I was I was floored. I didn't expect. It's 72 the, yards. That's like <laughs> the vitriol on such a
1: poor performance. But there it was. And we knew nothing else about Puka, and all we knew is that in his third game, he had he ran all the routes, had seven targets, five catches, and 72 yards. <laughs> I would be like, man, I'm pretty excited about Puka de Kua. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like
0: if you gave me JSN with five target or five receptions, 72 Heart yards, cartwheels, cartwheels down the slates. <laughs> I'm thrilled. It, like, I, I don't know if he's for real. I suspect like, I'm leaning towards for real for sure. He's definitely, like, I'm, real I'm probably adjacent. thinking he's more for real than most people are thinking. He's for real is maybe the way to put it. I'm with, but you. I'm not like stamping with approval. He's a hundred percent in like, let's go. But, uh, and then maybe that'll come across when I tell you what I'm going
1: to buy and sell for, okay. I would buy Philly for first. Like, I'm, I'm with would, you. Yes, I, 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 filled, I, so I bought I them bought for late first. I got a third coming back. I would take my... or for a mid-24 first that might be early, and it's a lottery. So it's kind of even like, if it just ends up 1-6, it might actually end up 1-1. One one. Um, yeah. So I sold him for a mid-24 first with some legit early upside and a second. Um, yeah. But I bought them for a 25-1 that I think will be late, and I'm getting a third back. So
0: I would take my shiny new debonet chain, and I would ship him right off for Puka Nikuo. Would you?
1: So I find this hard because, like, I want to be overweight A-Change, so I'm not trying to use him in trades. But if the answer is just who do I prefer, yeah. it's it's Puka. Yes. Yeah. It's Puka. Yeah. For sure. This was yeah. one where I, – so I, I got into the same debate with uh, Davis and Pat. Uh, we were doing our Dynasty Rankings Update show with the Smatic Pack Green, and we were both pretty excited about both players. I was the highest on Puka. And we wound up kind of similar on A chain, but I was the only one with Puka over A chain, which made me feel really bad because A chain's like kind of a brand player for me. Um, but I'm Puka. Other Hell, uh, but we had A chain similar. The difference was I have Puka Nakua ranked at forty-five overall in Dynasty. Is that a Superflex Dynasty? Yes. So you're taking the fourth round,
0: round of a startup.
1: So here's here's the names that I directly had of him. I have I have Devonte Adams, Justin Fields, Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf. That's right. I said Justin Fields. I didn't stutter. Did I stutter? No, I didn't stutter. Devonte Adams, Justin Fields, Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, TJ Hawkinson, Zay Flowers. Then I have Puka, and then I have Jordan Addison, Calvin Ridley, Josh Jacobs, Ken Walker, Michael Pittman, Brandon Ayuk, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Debo Samuel, or Andre Stevenson. Yeah, all I in the mean, same tier. All of those players in in one tier, so you can really move them around. But that's the tier that I have Puka within. Yeah, I think that's a fair spot.
0: I uh, I don't know if I'm quite that high. Maybe I don't have to think about it. I don't really do mine in that that structure, so I haven't really put much thought into do I prefer X, Y, or Z to him. Uh, but yeah, I, like I don't know. I, I'm in. Give me. Give me. Uh, I Give me give me a mid first though, and I'd I'd sell them because that could be something really special. And uh I, I would I would push the, yeah, you can do the
1: you can do the plus any you have the opportunity to do the legendary puka for Egbuka trade. That would be fine. I would I would like <laughs> I feel rhymes. like that's
0: like a worst case scenario if you trade like a second or a mid right, first yeah. is you're getting Egbuka in the mid sec, or in the mid first with the rookie pick. that like, like in my mind, that that's is to
1: me, like your worst case scenario for a top six first. Um yeah. I it's a good scenario. He seems like a great prospect. Um, uh, yeah, I think Puka, like, I kind of look at him kind of similarly to Roth think Brown coming off his rookie year, which is, I mean, smaller sample, but on the bright side, it's an immediate sample versus that we had to wait till half of the season to see the sample. Downside, Almanra was a much more impressive call player, but there is some stuff in Puka's profile that's interesting. Um, basically, I think where I'm at with it is, like, it would positively stun me based on what he did if he's not good. Whether he's like Jarvis Landry, Robert Wood's good or a lot better than that, I don't know. But if my like worst case scenario here, I mean it's not the worst case scenario, but if like I think it's probably like a 30th to 40th percentile outcome, maybe 50th, I don't know. But that I'm just like trading for I'm treating them like a mid first or trading them late first, and I'm getting like a Robert Woodsy career. It's like that's not great, but it's definitely not catastrophic by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um I I think that the I think that the floor is being underrated. I think it's underrated by people just how hard it is in your first three NFL games to come out and see forty two targets. <laughs> like yeah. To lead the world and, in targets
0: <laughs> Right. out
1: of the game. So like so, to me, it's just a matter of like, is he just like a wide receiver two slash three guy, or is he actually a wide receiver one guy? And so, to me, yeah, if you're sending a late first, I think you're probably at worst just kind of like, you're fine. You're getting like a, a decent guy, and you're free rolling the chance that he's actually a superstar, which I think is like, you know, it's, it's in the range of outcomes. Like, he's doing superstar things. Yeah. We've never seen him not be a superstar in the NFL. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. So I'm, I'm fine with it. So would you rather have Puka Nakua or Christian Watson? Puka Nakua. George Pickens?
1: Definitely Puka Nakua.
0: (laughs) Ramondre Stevenson. You
1: said they're in the same tier, right? I do have them in the same tier, but I have Puka higher. I, I'm, um, I don't know if I'm sounding the alarm on Ramondre Stevenson. Do it. Sound it. But I'm like, I'm definitely looking at my like apartment manual. And I'm like, where is the alarm? In case I needed to sound it, it's over there. Okay, just gotta have that
0: noted. Just, just in case. Yeah, you know, like you're holding the hammer where it's like break for emergency. Like you're holding the hammer right now. I haven't I broke, broke it
1: before. yet, but the hammer is hovering. It's, it's, when it's I, Everywhere I go, yeah. I bring that glass with me, and I'm like, just in case <laughs> there's an emergency, <laughs> I better be able to break it quick.
0: Yeah, I feel like Romandre is uh, is not doing great this year, and he uh,
1: has been dreadful.
0: Yeah, it's been bad, and I, I like. This is one of my core principles: is you sell day three wide receiver or day three running backs to pop. And I wasn't like shouting for the rooftops to sell them, and I should have been. I was like quietly whispering it. Maybe I think I actually had him as a hold. Maybe I can't remember now. Yeah, I'll go back and check. But it, I certainly wasn't buying. But it was. I, I don't have been that
1: louder in selling. I don't have that much of him in dynasty because I sold most of it last year before I was like all that convinced that he was the thing and then when i became convinced he was the thing i wasn't really all that much higher on him than anybody else i've just been kind of the same so i'm kind of like with the market on him so I'm, I'm not that panicked about it but um yeah i think i think that the athleticism is hurting him in a way that it didn't last year like i don't think he necessarily likes that different to me it's just he's always been really slow and he doesn't have burst and then the O-line is playing considerably worse than they did last year. And I think what's just happening to him is, like, he just does not have any sort of momentum when he's met in the backfield because he's so slow. And he's just getting hit and planted. And he's just not able to do anything about it. When I see him get to the open field, to me, he still kind of looks like the same Ramondre, still a lot of the same traits. But I, I think he's really struggling right now. I don't know when it gets better. This O-line is bad. But, um, and they, they and they're just stacking the box. Like they know that New England doesn't pose any sort of vertical threat in the passing game, so they're very willing to just load up on stopping the run. He's, he's getting outperformed by Zeke right now, which is pretty embarrassing. Um, Zeke's really for, good for, him, him. for me. Hey, hold on,
0: Zeke held down the best running back in football for like three consecutive years. He's not bad.
1: So it's it, at this point in time, the role is still fine. Like he's still seeing like seventy percent of the snaps. He's running the vast majority of the routes. So probably where I'd be at from Andre now. is like, let's see when he gets his next good game in the box score where he scores like 20 fantasy points, unless his role is getting clipped immediately. That's probably still going to happen at some point in the next few weeks. Um, but check and see how he's doing. Cause if he racks up a big box score game while also looking this bad, probably just want to get out for anything you can at that point.
0: So I, be, I'm curious why are like these next gen stat darlings doing bad this year?
1: Well, it's been three weeks. I don't know which ones you're all referring to, but it's also... Well, isn't
0: Ramondre Stevenson? He was like super next gen stat guy, wasn't?
1: Um, it? not really. He, oh, he was, wasn't. He was pretty good in the next gen stuff. His best, his best marks were in the yards after contact. Um. His, his his like his his um his relative success rate, the rush over expectation percentage, was actually pretty poor last year. And then the rush yards over expectation overall was good. Uh, like it was definitely above average, but it wasn't elite. He was, um, it was 0.58, which is really strong. But his best metrics was yards after contact per attempt. He was seventh last year. Missed tackles force per attempt, was fourth explosive run percentage. He was fourth. And then he was 10th in um, RYOE per attempt and PFF rush grade. But that was, so he's top 10 in all those, but the best were his... Um, dark after contact, missed tackles force, explosive run percentage.
0: Gotcha. All right, so I think we've we've established that Puka Nakua is, in our opinion, here to stay to some degree. Whether he's here to stay as a superstar remains to be seen. But uh, we're in. Jordan Love, you like him? No. That's cold. You know that he is like cementing himself as the next in line behind Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, MVP, NFL MVPs, multi, multiple multi-time NFL MVPs, Jordan Love is next in line. He will obviously carry the mantle forward. And uh he's terrible and I don't understand why anybody likes him other than he's scoring a lot of touchdowns right now. So lucky him.
1: Yeah, it's like that. it's a touchdowns thing and it's like a QB wins thing. And it's, I, 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 I honestly don't get it. Like, he's one of those people that people are are really attaching to the whole, like, you have to take your L thing. And it's like, I, I don't have to do shit. I, I don't have to take my L. He has a PFF passing grade of 62.6. Um. The quarterback directly ahead of him is Joshua Dobbs. And the quarterback directly behind him is Daniel Jones. Uh, He is in the back half of starters in the league in PFF grade. His EPA per play has been fantastic. Um, I don't know if anyone knows this, but um, touchdowns play a pretty big role in EPA per play, and he's been throwing a lot of those. So uh, his EPA per play is third. But interestingly, his completion percentage over expected uh, is third to last. Um, It's only currently ahead of uh, Anthony Richardson and Joe Burrow. He is behind Zach Wilson and Kenny Pickett and Justin Fields are the next three, just ahead of him. Look, a lot of this is that he's playing a really weird high variance game. He's eight off the highest in the league. So he has a really low expected completion percentage and then a really even lower completion percentage over expected. I mean, this is just a situation where you have a really small sample of three weeks and a quarterback is playing mostly okay in a high variance style. And it winds up meaning that some stats look incredible and some stats look horrible, probably somewhere in between. And I think ultimately we can allow ourselves to just adjust steadily from our priors and be like, Oh, Jordan luff like not a complete disaster. Might be a, a, an odds on favorite. To hold the Green Bay Packers quarterback job into 2024 at this point. Don't think we need to be doing crazy shit like calling him a top 12 dynasty quarterback or acting like he submitted himself as a good quarterback. At this point, we don't know he's a good quarterback. We know he's like not a complete disaster. And we still he still doesn't run. And they still run at a slow pace. So I, I don't understand the infatuation with Jordan Love. I would still take like any first. Well, he has enough value that I think just like creating him for a late 24 first today is probably underwhelming. But if we're talking about just like in a vacuum, I would rather have any first than Jordan Love.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned all the good stuff. So thanks for that. Left me absolutely nothing. No meat on the bone. But uh, I will read to you. I, so I did a quarterback uh, match, mashup this this week for the young quarterbacks. And here's what I had to say about Jordan Love for those not on the Discord. Jordan Love has been very fortunate for some long touchdowns, it would appear. He has not completed passes anywhere near an acceptable rate, but Chuck's a long ways down the field and has a lot of touchdowns and few interceptions. Negative 8.2 CPOE is only slightly better than Matthew Richardson's awful mark. The difference is that Richardson is dinking and dunking, and Love is out here throwing like a forking alpha. Just wildly erratically. He's like a 90s gunslinger or something a true throwback to a time when men were men and quarterbacks swashed in buckles, or I think that's what it was called. So, like, he's, he's just – he's playing in an era that he's not belonging in. He's not that good, and everything sucks. Um, yeah, and then there's a bunch of other stuff, like, in the – charts that i posted about like his pff grade and his next year stat or not his section stats his uh cpoe and epa and adot his adot is outrageous good for him the problem of course you go to fantasy calc and you look at where he is being valued he's up to 4,663 points on fantasy calc that's at fantasycalc.com forward slash dynasty dash rankings by the way they're really cool like they they uh they do this based on actual trades and leagues. They, have, I don't know how they do it exactly, but some kind of formula where they assign a number based on a player who's traded for a player who's traded for a player, mm-hmm. and it all spins together into a number. That number puts him at player 25 in startup drafts. That, that is a fringy second-round pick. Some people are taking him in the second round if there was a startup draft today, and that is madness. You can get damn near anyone you want. CJ Stroud is going at 22, I would much rather have C.J. Stroud. Like, it's not even a consideration. And I don't want C.J. Stroud at quarterback 22. That's outrageous. But Jordan Love, uh, like, writing like, the running back hot zone, we can call it. Jameer Gibbs right behind him. Kenneth Walker right behind him. Jonathan Taylor right behind him. Give me any of those three running backs. And then we have Deshaun Watson after that. And my mind is blown. I get that Deshaun Watson hasn't been great so far. But he hasn't. I don't think he's been, like, week
1: three. <laughs>
0: we're, we're maybe just looking at variants. Like sometimes players have, you know, bad three game stretches or two game stretches. And sometimes they happen in the middle of the season. Sometimes they happen in the season. Sometimes they happen at the start of the season. And because it's the start of the season, we focus in on those first two games so much. So it's I like, this is just crazy to me. Heck, you get the best, best running back in football. The number one running back in the entire world is going at 32. Tony Pollard, man. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Kyler Murray's going later. Brees Hall's going later. Like, this is just madness. Madness, i say. Uh, yeah, like you can get a lot more than a first-round pick for Jordan Love right now. You might even be able to get like uh maybe not a 101 uh front runner, but you might be able to get like a 102 front runner, and that would be really awesome. If you get 102 for Jordan Love you would be selecting probably like uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., which would be a really, really good pick because Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to enter the NFL dynasty scape at like wide receiver three in the world. And that's going to be pretty exciting to have exchange Jordan Love for. And that's within reason of trading right now. Like you might not be able to trade for the 102, but you will trade for a pick that is probably going to be early that could be 102, and that's really fun. So you have... What day is it it's Thursday when you're going to listen to this or maybe Friday you have a couple Thursday days Friday to get Jordan Love off your team and you simply have to do it yep. you know um,
1: that's good glad we hit on um, glad we hit on Mr. love uh, let's talk about uh, everything Texans uh, they've been a really fun team uh, they've been passing a lot and' it's been helping of course the quarterback who looks. Uh, certainly from a real life football perspective has been the most impressive of the quarterbacks and definitely helping out their weapons where are we at on cj stroud Tank dell nico collins maybe if you want to pontificate about one of them and just give a quick little one word by self or what on the others so
0: i'm very into cj stroud from an nfl perspective i don't know that i'm into cj stroud from a fantasy football perspective necessarily he's probably like And and I probably should be because right now I saw a tweet and it had suggested that Tuatunga Veloa could be on track for top five dynasty value. And that's really exciting for Tuatunga Veloa. However, I will obviously be selling it. A whole thread on it today in the Discord. Uh, If he reaches those kind of heights, that's outrageous. CJ Stroud is along that same archetype in the Tuatunga Veloa, Matt Jones, uh, Kirk Cousins, Spectrum. Where we're probably not getting elite production, and we're getting into well, we started in elite prices, so I'm still probably not that into it, even though he looks awesome. Uh, Right. I'm I'm certainly holding, and I'm basically at the
1: point with Stroud where, like, if you are a highly touted prospect, and your first three games look like this, I'm almost I'm as certain as I as you can really be for a player this young that he's like going to be a really good NFL quarterback for a very long time. So um basically until he is fully priced into that range of the elite round one quarterback that you'd rather trade for the other elite round one quarterbacks who run so, like you're you're just buying inevitable inflation on this inevitable costs. value like, gains. <laughs> like if you can still move like yeah like if you can still get like a pretty fat plus moving like a herbert or a burrow into stroud which you almost certainly can like, I, I still think that's totally fine because I just think it's realistically, it's kind of a matter of time until he's hanging out with those guys. I think like he looks like an absolute stud.
0: Yeah, he looks awesome. I have no reservations. I'm with you on that. Uh, if you want to play the market, I think it's perfectly fine to do so. Buy now, sell later. Uh, it's perfectly fine. He's going to probably end up a fringy, I would say, first round
1: startup pick by the end of the year. Uh, I think for sure he'll be he'll be right at the one two turn I think next year and I might not like that price but um, I think that's happening yeah and I won't like that price
0: I know that right now but I think that's where he's gonna end up and right now he's at like twenty five or so in fantasy calc twenty two so we're like and keep in mind like to go from twenty two to twelve is actually a very large value jump. It's not ten spots. It's a huge value jump to go from twenty-two to twelve. So there's a lot of value to be gained here. I'm just, I'm not overly excited about his fantasy prospects. I'm excited about his value gains. Is maybe the way to put it. Yeah, it's not going to be bad for fantasy. He's just going to be fine. He's going to score twenty points per game like throughout his career, and that's fine. And um, you're not going to go broke with C.J. Stroud.
1: No, you will not. Um, what about his weapons? Collins, Dell? You've talked a lot about them in the Discord, but why don't you let the people here? Yeah,
0: I've talked a ton about Dell and, uh, and Collins. Um, so Tank Dell for me was a coin flip prospect. Uh, he was fairly cheap for a coin flip prospect. So he was kind of like somebody I liked in rookie drafts, even though he wasn't bulletproof. It was more like he's a decent prospect and he's quite cheap. So like if you're in the middle of the second round, end of the second round, he's available. He's a fine pick. And here we are a couple weeks in, and he's been excellent. Uh, He's basically – I mean, it's only three weeks, so it's hard to say if this was like, you know, maybe uh, Nico was injured last week, and that's why he didn't play as much, or, you know, I don't know, whatever. Could be anything. Maybe he yelled at the coach, and the coach said, take a seat on the bench for a little while. Tank Dell is going to take over. I don't know. But Tank Dell played more than Nico Collins did in his third game, and that's pretty wild. Uh, So – I think Sox way down for Collins. I don't think he's a very good player to begin with. I think he should have been
1: better than he's been. And uh, yeah, I'm just not that into it. In the I other probably disagree on Collins not being a player. That that I think is ridiculous. Like he he's been a 20-30 guy. When I say 20-30 guy, I mean 20% target for around 30% area yard share um, in the second year, and then he's completely exploded so far in his third year. As a down week in week three, but you look at his whole profile; it's quite strong. His reception perception numbers are quite strong. I don't think he's like a superstar or anything, but I, I, I think this is like a legitimate long term NFL starting receiver. Um, I, I was definitely, I had a lot of Nico Collins, he was a big buy for me this off season. I sold probably like half my shares right after his week two game. Um, probably a good idea because, <laughs> because I don't know, I mean, it's like 28 points and he was peaking into like close to first in value. Like, I the two cells that I did, I did um. Well, I did one where I was trying to get, I just basically put him into a trade up. It wasn't really a good example because I was just trying to shed points. The one that was probably more legit was I'd moved him and Brian Robinson for a 25-1 and 25-2.
0: Yeah, all right.
1: And then, um, anyway, I have the rest of my Nico Collins still remaining. I feel good about him, but I I agree Dell is like, Dell Del looks pretty legit, which is like an L by me. I had I, like, no interest in Tank Dell, so hand up. That's a big loss for <laughs> me. You doubt you doubt small running backs. I guess I doubted the 5'8", uh, 165 receiver. So.
0: Well, I mean, so, yeah, if, if we're talking about Tank Dell in the – where was A-chain, like 201 one two or something? Turn. Yeah, 1-2 turn. So, like, if we're talking about Tank Dell there, yeah, I'm not that into it. <laughs> Then I'm like, hey, look at that size. That's not that exciting. But he was a lot of points left,
1: right? It's like productive late to clear.
0: Yeah. 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 But like, I don't know, man. You're saying Nico Collins, you like, you think is a good player? That's wild to me. Absolutely. I, he I don't had a know 20% what percent target share in or. a second season, and there was like nobody yes. on the team. Yeah. I think that's a good player. Uh, hi, okay, I maybe,
1: we have, maybe we have different definitions of good player. I think if you can I think if you can post a 2030 season, you're a good NFL player.
0: Uh, what the hell is a 2030 season?
1: 20 percent target share, 30% air yard share. We didn't. Oh no, we
0: did. Oh no, we didn't. 19.1. You're way off. 0.9 off. So I'm sorry, 20, 20% 60%. targets per route
1: run, 30% air yard share. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh I would have liked to see more, I guess. He was basically invisible as a rookie he had a bad profile to begin with It's just, like it's just a lot of not excellent happening
1: when i think good nfl wide receiver i think he can be like i think that on the long-term version of this texans team i think he's one of their starting receivers i doubt that he's the best receiver
0: yeah i mean he's he's an nfl player i'm not gonna argue there
1: yeah like, I, don't, I don't
0: think he's gonna be out of the league next week but I, I'm in no way interested in dynasty. I'm hard hard pass on that one. Hard pass. But yeah, Tank Dell's kind of taking yeah, them problems. all. Me.
1: So that's rough. Yeah, I think I think eventually they're gonna have to just like give it up with the Robert Wood ch- situation. Like let's just let's get him out of our yeah. lives, so please.
0: I, I was talking on I, forget, I think we might have been on Twitter and I was like, yeah, you know, Tank Dell's already taking the number two spot from Nico Collins. And like, well, who's number one? <laughs> it's like actually it's been robert woods he's played like virtually everything they never take yeah out the we gotta
1: we gotta stop with that like but, eventually uh, let's just do let's eventually dip woods and let's make this collins the Nico and dell and honestly like Mechie in the slot like i, I don't understand what yeah. we're doing with robert woods in 2023 um it just seems like a purposeless endeavor um to like like they're not going to win games so it's like we don't need to trot out like 32-year-old Robert Woods to, like, occupy snaps from young guys. Well, I think, um, I think that they'll eventually figure that out.
0: <laughs> he's, he's got a lot of growth to do, so he needs some playing time. You know, he needs his reps.
1: Uh-huh. Like the backers, the wide receivers.
0: Yeah, it's it's just – it's whatever. Uh, with Nico, Nico, he's not my dude. I do have
1: Robert Woods in a start 11, 14-team league, and I, I have been starting him every week. I was
0: going to say, I got him in, like, one league – or maybe two leagues, and I've been starting on one of them in uh, <laughs> I think every week so far, yeah. But uh, and it's like it's yeah. a good
1: spot, like it's like point per reception, and it's also like 0. 0.5 for receiving first down. So he's just been like moving the chains, <laughs> just, just compiling the points. Uh,
0: what I, what I will also say about Tain Dell is so far through four weeks he's got 21 targets which is a hell of a lot of targets he's third among rookies in targets um no. behind Puka Nakua and zay flowers with 25 and then tank dell's third with 21 so that's pretty wild and then he's got a yeah. 77.5 receiving grade from pff which is i believe <laughs> yeah. fourth highest in the class right now well i do not even look at the, PFF them, grade Nakua the, the guys, tank dell so like he's having a strong strong hey, that's a lot well. of guys
1: that are high
0: yeah yeah. There's a lot of guys that haven't had a lot of targets yet though.
1: Marvin Moon's only got nine targets. Like Right, but every single one of them has gone for like 50 yards.
0: Yeah, he's averaging like seven uh what is it, seven yards per run? Something like that.
1: Ah, wow. okay. So Rashi Right, I mean it's only 14 targets, but he's over he's over the magic eraser. Puka's over the magic eraser. Yeah. yeah. Pretty exciting stuff. So like Rasheed Rice, I don't know yeah. what he Jackson is. Smith and Jigma, 52.8, by the way. Um, I don't know if we're starting to get worried about him. I'm not quite yet, but I'm getting like close.
0: I mean, Quinton Johnston is considerably better at 56.5, so that's something. Yeah, of
1: course. I, I'm um, not I'm
0: really not concerned about JSN or Quinton Johnston at this point. They they have a ton of value insulation. So we can I'm, we can let this wait. I mean, Jason was a lot more expensive, though. Like, in startup drafts, he was going, like, I want to say two rounds. Well, that's the thing. Like, you
1: can still get out of him really high. Like, I was offered T Higgins for JSN today, and I was like, man, maybe. Maybe?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that the issue with JSN for me, and and we've probably talked about this before on the podcast, surely you have in the Discord, is it's just, like, I don't know. I'm not, like, in love with Geno Smith. I am pretty sure that DK Metcalf is pretty good. And then it's like, what's the ceiling here? Like, how high can JSN get?
1: Well, the the ceiling is a talent-based ceiling. It's just like, what if he's the best wide receiver in the NFL? It's like basically the
0: ceiling. Yeah, I, I don't think that he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And I, I think that's where my issue comes from. I never thought he was, like, head and shoulders above all the other wide receivers. I thought he was certainly among the best wide receivers, maybe in the top. Maybe he was the best wide receiver. But I, I just didn't see, like, this gap like everyone else seemed to see because of the Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave rookie seasons, where they're like, ah, he played with them, and they were awesome, so he's going to be amazing. And I was like, well, they also got drafted like 10 spots ahead of him, and uh, the NFL had the benefit of hindsight too. They got to see how good Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were in the NFL, and then they still said, eh, I don't know about JSN, maybe like, He's probably good. We'll take him in the first round. But we're not going to take him in the top 10 like the other guys. So I don't
1: know. I don't know. I'm not that worried about JSN yet. This is the moral of this No, thing. I'm not that worried either. And he had the on the hand too, which I think is like very relevant context. But um, yeah. anyway, it's interesting. Well, um, Dell, I'll throw him in there. Like I'm pretty interested in Rasheed Rice too. Where would you rank? Where would you rank Dell? Like clearly to me, it's the, still the first four first round wide receivers are still ahead of all these round two guys. Puka has joined that class of the four first rounders for me. But then, like that six, seven, eight. How would you rank Dell, Mims, and Rice? I think that's probably the, the clear six, seven, eight. Probably right in now. that order. That's that's
0: the order I would rank them.
1: Okay, think I would go. Think I would go. Rice, Mims, Dell. Really. Rice plays with Patrick Mahomes. But he's also by far the worst of the prospects. Are him and Dell that different? Like, they're both, like, late
0: declares with late production. I don't think that Rashid Rice really did much in college. I don't
1: know if he even hit any of my thresholds. I don't think he did. Not even in his last year. He had, a, like, a ton of raw production. Um, I can't remember exactly offhand, like, what his market share was.
0: Let me just check real quick. I'm pretty sure that he was, like, a bus prospect for me. Could be wrong. It's happened before. Sometimes I misremember things.
1: Then Mims, Mims, I would put ahead just because I think he was the best prospect of the three, and he hasn't played a lot, but he's looked absolutely electric every time he's been on the field. So I, I just have to assume that that's like Denver being irrational by not playing him more, and I assume that they will eventually play him more.
0: Uh, yeah, Rashid Rice was a bus tier prospect for me, Nathaniel Dell, Tank Dell, was a coin flip, and uh, okay. Obviously, I love me Marvin
1: Mims. He was uh, bulletproof. I think i go Mims first. I, I, I lied. I'm doing Mims first because I think he is the best, and he hasn't shown anything that he's not good yet. He's shown actually I, that he is good.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's Mims and Dell are like the same same guy for me, basically. They're both like undersized and uh, kind of flashing, I guess you could say. And then Rasheed Rice is a step behind. I'm just I'm just not willing to throw away the bus profile three games into the season on 14 targets or whatever it is. We'll see. Okay.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm definitely like, I don't know. Everybody else has socks and homes. and I feel like it's very yeah. like safe investment. I just feel like, it, I mean, it's it's a
0: fairly safe investment, but he's probably quite a bit cheaper than the other. Oh, maybe he isn't. The other guys are pretty cheap, too. I don't know if he's not much cheaper. But uh, um, I think... I think chasing bad prospects with good situations is usually a losing battle, and chasing good prospects that are flashing early is usually a winning battle. So that's where. That's yeah, where I,
1: prob- I, pro- I probably didn't like pay enough attention to Tank Dell's prospect profile. I, I was like, eh, he like went around three and he's tiny and easily he's late. He's
0: 5 eight and stuff. he went to the Senior Bowl and he was drafting around three. There's not a whole lot to like here. But he was pretty productive. Yeah, I, would say I, was, oh. I was
1: probably too dismissive. I, I probably should have paid a little bit more attention to that to him. Um, I think, I well, think honestly, the, honestly, like this whole class, really I like. was just like, they did that probably made me like them less. Um, <laughs> honestly, this whole class, I was just like, okay, there's the four first rounders, and there's Mims and Rice plays with Mahomes. I don't care about anybody else. That was kind of like my my attitude <laughs> about it. Um, uh, maybe I should have cared more. I cared a little bit about Jaden Reed. He looks interesting to me too. Um, he's popping a little bit. Not like a lot of it, but a little bit. I'm interested to see what happens with that offense once on Watson's back. Because right now, everybody there kind of sucks. So it's hard to tell who's actually good.
0: So I think it was two weeks ago, or maybe after week two maybe, I did a, a thread in the Discord comparing Jaden Reed to Tank Dell because I was very into Tank Dell and not that into Jaden Reed. And the masses, the patrons, obviously wanted to know, but Why? And it's just, like, it's really hard to, like, craft a scenario in which I would want to have Jaden Reed on my team. (laughs) I'm like, he's stuck with Jordan Love. That's probably going to last another year. Jordan Love's not that good, and we're going to be stuck in that. Christian Watson, I think, is pretty damn good. So he's, at best, the wide receiver, two on a bad offense. They don't pass that much. And it's just not that exciting. And then, conversely, we have CJ Stroud, who's having, like, the best start to right. a career ever. And that's yeah, I mean, Stroud,
1: exciting. Stroud is like he's gotta be really high on the list of player you most want your players attached to. Like he's because they're letting him pass a lot perfect already. because he's they're they're letting him pass a ton. He never scrambles. <laughs> and, right. and, and and he's a really good passer, and he's young He can be there forever. So like, he is yeah. quickly Entering that like Burrow Herbert range of like right. I mean, like you think about the receivers you want your court your you want to think about the quarterbacks what your receivers attached to, like, okay, it's like it's like okay. Like you'd rather have your receivers attached to like Josh Allen um, or Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray than like Devin Ritter. But like that's not actually like the best case scenario to have them attached to like a pretty high volume rushing quarterback if they're able to lead a really efficient offense that has its benefits, you can score more touchdowns. You can to have more efficiency, but like honestly, you'd probably rather have them attached like to Kirk cousins or Dak or Prescott or whatever. Like one of these like pretty good quarterbacks who is just going to throw it a bunch. Um, and right now that's like, Stroud looks like he's pacing to be that guy, right? Like Matt Stafford is the, the absolute kingmaker for yeah. receivers and like CJ Stroud could be that Matt Stafford, <laughs> you know, type of guy, He's had yeah, two like, wide
0: receiver seasons in the history of the football, and now he has made Puka Nakua, who I saw has joined them for breakfast.
1: Yeah. I you mean, I know I would have had 100% exposure earlier. Yeah, I would have. Um,
0: this isn't fair. Why didn't they report a, It's that? a pretty
1: good spot, right? Like, like, Sprouts seems to be one of those guys that, Fast forward two, three years, we're like, oh yeah, we're drafting his wide receiver one top twelve, and his wide receiver two top twenty-four, and his tight end top twelve, and it's fine. They're yeah. all going to hit, like because he's going to throw over fifty-two hundred yards. Like that seems totally within the range of possibilities for him. Yeah. Um Which makes which makes Dell really exciting. You're talking me into it. I'm talking. You better have a couple of bad games in a row, or like pull a Hammy or something. So I need to get some shares. Yeah, of course. He's. Uh, I was going to say shoot.
0: Uh, I don't remember. Anyways, CJ Stroud, he's a dude,
1: and uh, yeah. we should like him very All much. Right. All right, you talked me into this. I'm now Mims Dell. Right there, you go. That's, that's the spirit. CJ Stroud is basically Patrick Mahomes, anyway. Um, okay, this is the last uh, thing we're gonna talk what's about next? because we we're getting, we only have one more thing because we're running out of time. Um, we're at a minute and forty one, so we're gonna talk about Justin Fields. Um. I, I, have, I have a take on Justin Fields. I know you have a take on Justin Fields. By the gas, our take is probably the same on Justin Fields, but he's been really horrible. Um, what, he's been uh, exactly what he's been. What, what's, what would you – what do you think are his prospects moving forward? What are you buying for? I don't even know if I need to ask what are you selling for because, like, it's fucking luck. Uh, what What are you buying for and what are you holding for, I guess? I don't know.
0: I, I like, so I, I did another thread. I think I have did, done, I, I did like, yeah. I, as I read that thread
1: threads in the last three days. I read the field thread and I, I like felt like you had robbed my mind because you said something that I've used the exact same line to people. Like I swear, like a dozen times this week. What did you say? I said, he's Trey Lance except he's currently playing games. Oh, yeah, he is. That's exactly... Yeah. yeah.
0: He's Trey yeah. Lance, but he's a starting job. So I'm into it right. if I don't have to pay a lot for it, which is my take yeah. on Trey Lance the whole time. If Trey Lance was going where where uh, Justin Fields was going, I would not have been that into Trey Lance, just like I was not into, Trey, into Justin Fields this year. But because Trey Lance was like the opportunity cost of where Trey Lance was being drafted was not preventing me from getting somebody with like a right. smash ceiling... I was fine with it. I would let that burn to the ground because the smash ceiling opportunity is what really matters. And that's what I wanted. Now with Justin Fields, I don't know what's, what's his price now. I am perfectly happy to send. I got him for a late
1: I got him for a late 24 first today.
0: There you go. I would happily send a late first for him because I'm probably not getting a smash player. The, The player may smash, but I'm not like looking at it as I'm getting marvin harrison jr here so zero awesome. you're
1: getting a first round konami quarterback in the late 24 first 0.000 percent 0. chance you're not in 2018 anymore
0: yeah like we're just we're you're getting probably a good tight end prospect you're, um, you're getting a, top good top end, end, a good getting zero, back. or like a
1: shitty running back
0: or a shitty running back like Devon a Chain, hey, you're getting hey, hey. Whoa, whoa, like whoa. a mediocre, like like a good wide receiver. You're getting usually a good wide receiver prospect, not a great one, but like a good one. Yeah, you're gonna get. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody who's recently bought out like Zay Flowers in the late first. Like he's a good player. We're happy to have him. We're not like moving the world to try to get him. And there, I would I would trade Zay Flowers to get Justin Fields. For
1: instance. Yeah, I probably would too. And at this point, like you're you're thrilled with your late first investment in Zay Flowers. Like he's had a much better start than most um late first round pick wide receivers do through three weeks. So yeah. um, I probably like think of him more highly than I did certainly when I drafted Zay Flowers today. And I, I still do prefer Justin Fields, which is maybe a hot take. But I yeah, is, I look at the right it take. like it's definitely a hot take, but I do think it's the right take. I, I yeah, if you can just Fields is now priced in a sense where your, your downside risk is like totally survivable. Like, I drafted a lot of Sky Moore in the mid to late first. It sucks. Like, it, it's like it really didn't ruin my teams. Like, if you drafted Sky Moore or Janus and Williams or I don't know, insert any like mid to late first round rookie pick who has declined in value and may bust, like, is that good for your team? No that's really not like a life and death situation for your team. If it is, it just wasn't that good to begin with. Creating a late first for Justin Fields is really all upside. It's a very survivable loss. And that's coming from like two guys, this podcast, when we did our preseason podcast, our number, our consensus, I can't even remember who it was assigned to because both of our first picks to say for worst value was Justin Fields. Um, <laughs> and Now it's like, yeah, like I think that the dream of Justin Fields first round startup pick next Lamar Jackson is probably over at this point. It would just be like really, really unlikely if he became an actually great quarterback where Ohio State was a long time ago at this point. Um, But he can be supercharged Daniel Jones and like stick around the NFL for a while and run even more.
0: That was the guy I used in the thread. I was like, we are probably going to get Daniel Jones level production at worst, which is like 18 points right. per game. We still might get 20, 21 points per game. We might even get more if he if he goes on a real hot streak, but we're probably never getting crazy value again. We're probably never getting to the first round startup picks no. uh, unless he actually plays exceptionally well, which is probably not going to happen, but we don't no. need him to anymore. We're, we're in a range now where, or I. Like, we're in a range now where we're trading late first for him anyway, where you can, uh, you're, you're not foregoing the opportunity of having, I don't know, someone awesome. Anyway.
1: People, people traded a late first for like Tom Brady to just get like one QB one season out of him when they knew he might retire at the end of it. And, and it right? wasn't even a high QB one season. It was like a QB 12 season. It was like, Oh, I'll give you late first. So I can get a QB 12. Right. Right. And honestly, like if you traded a late first for Tom Brady, like not the year he retired, but like, the previous year and you got two years out of it, it's like, you're probably honestly fine with that. Like that's yeah. like probably like a pretty neutral return on your investment. Um, yeah. So Fields, I, like you're on a year to year basis with Justin Fields, but he's priced like a player you're on a year to year basis with. Like he's priced like, I don't know. He's, he's he's priced like fucking like Keenan Allen or something where it's like, yeah, we're going to get production. Get it at any minute. But while well, it's not, we're going to get production. Like that's, well, that's what it get is. Get it while well, it's hot. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's really
0: fun when these things happen where you go from, like, the villain to the hero on these guys.
1: He is the worst value. I would say we've been writing about Justin Fields, like, a lot. Like, we've been writing yeah. about him pretty consistently, where it was like, we were like, he's priced too high, and then we were like... Now we've got to buy, now we've got to sell, now we've got to buy. Like, yeah. It'd be kind of fun if we can keep this going. I don't know how long we can keep this going. I think eventually uh, the bottom going to drop out on us. But if we can just keep like bit pointing this, it just, it would be really
0: fun. <laughs> yeah, so... I- I guess, I think you had written down, it was like the panic meter or something, panic time on Justin Fields. Yeah, I'm panicked. Of course I'm panicked. But the price is reflected in the panic and I'm all in on the upside because the upside, that's the thing. The upside has never changed. The upside is this guy is one of the best rushing football quarterbacks ever. So that upside is still fantastic. It's probably not going to be realized this year. Uh, But who knows? Maybe it happens in the future where he only rushes for, you know, 600 yards or 700 yards, but he throws 20 touchdowns, 25 touchdowns. And we still get that, like, 22-point season that we were dreaming of from the start. And if it doesn't happen, we're still probably getting 18 points per game because even guys like Denial Jones can put up 18 points per game. It's basically nothing. So give me Justin Fields. Justin Fields or Jordan Love. Just stop it. Just absolutely stop it.
1: I Here's the thing. I think we're in the minority. Oh, my God.
0: This is why you minority. listen to the show, by the way, listeners. This is why you're listening, because
1: we are the minority and we're right. <laughs> you know what's fun right now? is Justin Fields has gotten cheap enough that you might be able to get him as your third quarterback. That would be excellent. You can get him as your right? third quarterback. You're you, can just, you can just, like, not even worry about it. You can just, like, you already have, maybe you already have two elite quarterbacks. Or maybe you have, like, one elite quarterback and one just kind of steady guy. Like, you have, like, like, maybe you have like maybe you have Stroud or Bryce Young, right? That would be great if you have, like, Stroud or Bryce Young and you're like, my long term is taken care of, but I don't really know how many points we're going to score. Enter Justin Fields, right? Yeah. Or, or maybe Kyler is one of your quarterbacks. Or even your second quarterback is, just, like, Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr or something. That's like, well, they're going to start next year, so if Justin Fields doesn't, my team's not fucked. But, like, now I just get to, like, take a free roll on this upside, like, Times,
0: yeah, it's uh it's it's a wild time, and like Justin Fields has been atrocious this year. He's still scoring like fourteen points per game. Not that that's good, but it's not nothing. It's not like he's putting up zeros. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and he's going to score a lot more than that over the rest of the season,
0: I'm sure. His, his expected points per game on player profile right now is 16.7, and this is like the worst start you could have imagined for Justin Fields. He's going to score well, well, probably 20 points per game by the end of the year. Actually, and... the worst start
1: you could imagine was last year for Justin
0: Fields. Okay, the worst start you can imagine was last year <laughs> yeah. for Justin Fields. You ignore that season, and you only look at this season, this is the worst start you could have imagined for Justin Fields. Oh, gosh. and His rookie year was really bad, too. So I guess they're just slow out of the gate in Chicago. Slow so. starter. Slow starters. But uh, but yeah.
1: Anyone else you want to talk about? No, that's all. We've done an hour and 50 minutes. I think that's more than enough. Um, Hashtag not story at all, Matt.
0: Hashtag eat it, Matt. Eat the L. You got to do a long
1: editing. <laughs> 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 Hashtag eat it, Matt. That's nice. <laughs> all right well let find you.
0: what's that where can we find you oh you can find me on twitter i'm at or no i'm on x sorry, at, sorry uh df bean counter and then you can also follow me or find me on patreon at patreon.com forward slash BulletproofFF. and then you can also find us on youtube where we are both together which by the way go subscribe to the youtube channel And uh also give us a review. Give the podcast a review. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And uh five stars, please. Uh and uh follow the YouTube channel or whatever you do on YouTube. I don't even know what you do. Subscribe to it, I think it is.
1: I think it's subscribe Yeah, you can tell that I'm a real YouTube expert. Um we're gonna we're gonna get the YouTube content rolling. I I promise. We're gonna we're gonna start getting into the YouTube game, we're gonna get into the thumbnail game, we're gonna get into the clips where we're gonna give this a try. I don't think we take naturally to the YouTube game, but um, we're gonna get there. Well, it's something about like the radio star versus
0: the video star, probably where we we're we the video radio, killed
1: so. the radio star. Video killed the radio star. You know, some in guys my... just are cut for radio, and some guys aren't. What, what what is it? Is it like in my mind and in my heart? Uh, yeah, something like that. A, you know that song, right? You
0: know that song. I, I know the song, right. but I don't know the words.
1: I heard you on the wireless back in '52, lying awake, intent and turning it on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through. Oh, Are you oh, oh. Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. There's no way that like, I just wow, know I've these lyrics. All
0: those words. No. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really sure.
1: Remember, your heart. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh. And now we we into the top to ask people to give us a review on iTunes, that hurts. I think that'll get better. People people always like when I sing something. One of the people in the in the Discord like favorite bits is whenever I make a song reference and then you never get it. <laughs> and then people are like, oh Drew doesn't know music. Like it's usually a modest sure. mouse reference. Like pretty yeah. much like a, it's like a once every two or three weeks. I'll reference modest mouse and then you like won't get it. And then people in the are like, oh just sure nice reference. I'm
0: actually pretty sure there's a like a iTunes review that says something about modest mouse. So I'm sure
1: I referenced them all the time. That was when I, I don't even know if you like knew what I was doing, but when I saw them live and then I like posted that video, I was like and balls. Listeners will know how much this meant to me. It was because I was at a modest mouse concert. who I referenced ah, like, weekly on the podcast. <laughs> Not weekly because <laughs> we don't record weekly, but what if oh, we did pretty much? Podcast-ly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You, you probably know float on right like that's like the one model stuff that everyone knows it's probably kind of aggravates me but it's like like oh, where did it go we'll all float on and we'll all float on okay yeah, that we'll sounds all familiar float on anyway like no it's... yes all right maybe, maybe. all right you... isn't the best five minutes we ever recorded you can find me <laughs> on x at Jacob Sanderson, you can find Thinking About Thinking at jacobsanderson.substack.com. Live long, prosper, do whatever you want, sponsor our show. Um, Yeah.